Hello, 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 and welcome to Comic Herald Live. Everybody, I'm Dave Houston, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. You know what? We could update the text to today's date. That'd be fine. That'd be just fine. High-end spectacle here. Hey, we got a lot to talk about today. There was some massive, massive comic book news today. We're going to talk about that. The announcement of a surprise stealth Jonathan Hickman, Brian Hitch relaunch of the Marvel Ultimate Comics Universe Ultimate Invasion is coming in June. Of course, we have to talk about that. Of course, we have to talk about that. That's going to be number one. And then we'll get to a, a string of very good X-Men comics that came out today. We're going to talk Sabretooth and the Exiles. We're going to talk Captain Britain. We're going to talk Immortal X-Men in the sense of Sinister. A lot of good stuff. A lot of good stuff to talk about today. Some big, exciting comics news. I've been obsessed. My whole, my whole day has just been just a wreck. Just a wreck. Got none of the things done that I was planning to do because I'm so excited about the news today. Uh, of course, we can talk about that as we go. Welcome to all you who are joining live. Much appreciated. Again, I'm Dave here with Comic Herald. You can find all my stuff at comicherald.com. Ways to support uh, over at patreon.com slash comicherald. And of course, uh, Super Chat is open and available to those of you who want to get your questions prioritized. Get the chat going. Be respectful to those around you. That's all I ask. And uh, get any questions you have. I'll try to address chat as we go. Super Chat will be prioritized as I am able. Um, all right, so we got a big one. We got a big one. Big news today. Announced by Marvel this afternoon that, again, Jonathan Hickman and Brian Hitch are going to be launching Ultimate Invasion. It's going to be four issues this June. It's going to be sort of a maxi-series event is definitely the way that it has been uh, described. And here's the quote from Hickman. Is it time for the Ultimate Universe to make its grand return? Or wait, no, this isn't Hickman. This is, this is Marvel PR. Get our sources right. Is it time for the Ultimate Universe to make his grand return? The Maker seems to think so, and the Illuminati must form once again to stop him from his plans to destroy or perhaps rebuild the universe with Miles Morales at the center of it all. Here is the quote from Jonathan Hickman. We also thought the very idea of Ultimate Comics needed to be inverted from what the original universe was. We wanted this to be something that could really only exist in the comic space, a new way of thinking about and enjoying a new version of the Marvel Universe. Okay. A lot of fun stuff to unpack here. I'm seeing some of you hopping in in the live chat saying, I'm just here for the water, hashtag team water. Uh, yeah, we will be slugging, slugging the Hulk. Listen, this this Hulk-sized puppy ain't even full. Ain't even full. You know, I'm going to need a new one of these. The Hulk, we're going, we're, we're, we got some Immortal Hulk body horror going on here <laughs> with the disappearing Hulk act. I'm definitely going to need to invest in a new Nalgene soon. Send in your Nalgene Rex. Um, in the chat today. That's my request today is who's got the coolest looking giant water bottle, Marvel focused, superhero focused preference, preference. Okay. we got a lot of questions, a lot of things to unpack here. First question right here from Kenji. I'm seeing this one a lot. Is this project ultimate invasion? Is this completely separate from Hickman's other new project with Valerio Shidi? Uh, yeah, it seems to be, it seems to be right. So what we knew was coming when Hickman left the X line and, uh, and and made his exodus, but, you know, clearly still going to be doing Marvel stuff. We knew the project that was coming is going to be this maxi-series event with artist Valerio Yoshidi. This is not that project. That's what makes it so surprising and, and honestly very, very exciting is there were no hints that this was in the works, right? There was no tease. There was no setup. There was no Marvel PR doing a mystery promo announcement. Hickman, uh, Hitch, June, right? And just, like, theorizing and all that. There was none of that. And frankly, I'm so glad there wasn't. I really, in like now having experienced this versus the endless tease and buildup of a thing, 
it's so much cooler to just have the thing dropped on you, right? And just be going about your business, doing work, <laughs> and suddenly seeing like, oh, hey, this awesome new thing is coming. It's like, you know, basically the, the craze of album drops, definitely in hip-hop that we've seen over the last decade plus, right? Where it's just like, oh, new Drake album dropped today, right? Oh, new Beyonce today. Oh, new Kendrick Lamar's today, right? It's incredibly exciting. It's just like all satisfaction, no frustration. And I think the way when you drop, and this is just a PR marketing conversation, but like the Hickman Cheaty thing has not been teased for over a year. There's been a ton of speculation. We still don't know what it is. There's going to be another teaser in the free comic book day. I'm actually more annoyed with that book. <laughs> it hasn't even come out yet, right? Like you can like slow play a thing to the point where it's actually just kind of generating frustration with the project as opposed to this drop, which is just pure pure satisfaction and excitement, uh, or the opposite, right? For those readers who are like, I don't like this, this, you know, these types of comics, right? And I've seen a little bit of that, of, of the immediate, like, I'm not excited. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Very proud of you. Um, but no, this is a big one. And I love the way it was dropped. I love everything about it. So, all right. So no, it's two separate things though. I mean, it sounds like there's going to be two sort of Hickman-y events, you know, he's, and this is, listen, this ties into what I said and what I've been saying and some folks refuse to understand this or hear this, but it's like, dude is not going to write an ongoing run of comics again at Marvel. Too busy with other stuff, has already done it, didn't want to do it with X-Men, and in the exit interview that was conducted, I think, by Christian Holub over on um, EW, very, very good interview, was literally like, Marvel doesn't want me doing that. It's below my pay grade. I don't think he said that, but like that's that was the the ramification of it, um, it's not going to happen. So everybody was like, oh, Doctor Strange ongoing? Maybe he'll take over Spider-Man, do a Spider-Man ongoing. Nope, that's not happening. But what we will get are these event-sized maxi-series type things that will, I think, much like House and Powers, set the stage for what can come next. So, I mean, I fully expect, and we don't hardly know anything about Ultimate Invasion at this point, right? This is the announcement. We know it's going to focus on the Maker. We know it's going to focus on Miles Morales. And I think, crucially, one thing we know is we know it is going to be a continuation of Marvel Ultimate Universe continuity and connect the dots with the Illuminati, right? With, with the 616 universe. It's not, this is not going to be a launch of a reboot, at least the way it has been described and shared so far, right? It's not just going to be a four-issue fresh Ultimate Universe, which you could argue, is that actually the right approach? Um, it's interesting, right? It's not what you'd expect. I would have expected, first off, I expected Marvel to wait until 2025 to do, or at least whatever, whatever the 25-year anniversary of the Ultimate Universe would be. That's when I thought they were going to do the Ultimate Universe relaunch. Um, so that they couldn't wait, which, understandable, right? You got to hit your sales goals and all that. Um, but I would have expected them to then just say, we're launching a new Ultimate Universe, um, here's, you know, the introduction to the universe by Hickman and Hitch, uh, and setting the stage for then Ultimate Universe Comics coming out of that. Now, we might still get to that, and that'll be part of the theorizing here, uh, but as it stands, like, this is a continuation of a character Hickman, I mean, more or less created in The Maker, right? Brian Michael Bendis gets a lot of credit, too, for the Ultimate Enemy trilogy and kind of setting Reed Richards on this path, but then in Hickman's Ultimates run, we get the development of this character, the Maker, who then goes on to play a, a decent-sized role 
in New Avengers and the build through Secret Wars, and it's bounced around. I've got a guide on CBH, of course. Um, I mean, for all of this, a lot of people have asked, like, what should I read? I'm planning to do a video and a guide uh, that talks through all the semantics and the specifics of it. The easiest thing to do, though, is I've got a gazillion guides already published on Comic Herald. I've got the full Ultimate Universe reading order, okay? You can just read through the whole puppy. Uh, you could do the Hickman Marvel Universe reading order. Uh, you could uh, you could just hone in on, like, the Maker and Miles-specific portions of the Ultimate Universe as well, right? So for the Maker, it's just, like, read the Ultimate Enemy Trilogy. It's written by Brian Michael Bendis. Then read Hickman's Ultimates. And basically from there, you jump ahead to Secret Wars. Um, and then after is where it gets really interesting because then it's like, okay, what's going to be relevant in the post-Secret Wars maker continuity, you know? And this is something we'll have to parse out and theorizing. For me, my expectation is that actually probably the most relevant book you can read in preparation for Ultimate Invasion is going to be Al Ewing's Ultimates 2, <laughs> okay? Uh, which is set in 616 to a degree, but that book ends the last several issues, that book ends actually connecting to the Ultimate Universe and the Maker specifically in some pretty heavy ways. But otherwise, the creators who have played with the Maker the most since that time are Donny Cates and Ryan Stegman and Venom. And if you read just the Maker bits of that run, you would get some stuff that's definitely not going to be relevant, but I bet we'll get like a cursory sentence that references it, you know, and you'll know what it's talking about then. Um, either way, it should be fun. And then, of course, for the Miles stuff, I mean, I've got a Miles Morales reading order, of course, on CBH that you could go through. But, I mean, you want to read the original Ultimate Universe comics from the death of Spider-Man into the launch of Miles Solo with Brian Michael Bendis and Sarah Pacelli. Um, and then, honestly, it gets dicey, but it's like, you do Secret Wars, because Miles actually has some great moments in Secret Wars. Uh, but then, from there, it's just kind of, are you feeling the Solid and Ahmed run? Are you feeling the current Cody Ziegler run? Uh, I don't know... I don't think continuity-wise that stuff's going to be super essential, so I would, I would imagine it's just like, are you enjoying those comics? <laughs> and if you are, read them and enjoy your Miles stuff. I mean, for me, the best Miles stuff of the last, well, really ever, is Into the Spider-Verse, right? Of course, it's like that version of that character is fantastic. And then I really enjoyed PS4 Spider-Man, Miles, and kind of the interpretation there. Um, so you go outside comics for media, and listen, you know me. I love to get, let's get outside comics, and let's see the world through the lens of movies and video games <laughs> and these disrespected arts that never get the attention they deserve because hog comics are hogging all the spotlight. Uh, okay. But that's, I mean, that's like your road to ultimate invasion in a nutshell. Most of that stuff's not going to matter, but Hickman's very good at picking the pieces of continuity and figuring out what's relevant, what matters. It's not going to be super referential though. I don't expect. Um, okay. Get in your questions, get in your thoughts on Ultimate Invasion. Again, I fully expect to be doing, uh, if not a video, a guide, <laughs> but probably a video where I do sort of a road to. Um, it'll definitely be focused on the Hickman Ultimates and the Maker. Um, the Miles stuff just feels easier, right? It's just like, just f choose your own adventure with Miles and explore that character. But you know Miles, who, who, who at this point is a Marvel Comics fan who doesn't have familiarity. The Maker obviously is a little more off the beaten path and a little more bogged down in the specificity and the context of what was happening in the Marvel Universe and the Ultimate Universe at that time. You know, the other exciting thing, and I'm seeing here in the comments, Warren says, we need an Xavier Maker helmet showdown. Something I realized as I was looking at the promo image is you got Charlie Ballgame 
in the back of the Illuminati wearing his Krakoa X helmet. During Hickman's entire New Avengers and Avengers run, when he's writing the Ultimates and his Build a Secret Wars, he never wrote Professor X. It was always Beast on the mutant side of things, and that's because Professor X is dead that whole time. <laughs> or, or at least uh, seemingly dead. I think he's actually dead that whole time, though, post-AVX, right? That whole run is written in the wake of Avengers vs. X-Men. So Professor X is, like, more or less off the board. Uh, so we actually haven't, the, when we see the Illuminati and we see Professor X founding that group, it's under the pen of Brian Michael Bendis, okay, in the, in the late-ish 2000s, 2007-ish. And uh, we actually haven't seen Hickman's version of that. Now it's going to be the Krakoa version of Professor X. For, so for those of you wondering, like, X-Men connections, mutant connections, that sort of thing. I mean, at, at a minimum, it's going to be Professor X's involvement with the Illuminati, which raises some interesting questions about will there be any development with the relationship and the things that have been said between Professor X and Namor? Uh, will that in any way reflect Cohen's status? I don't anticipate we'll get big game-changing X-Men stuff within there, but you might get some interesting character interaction on that regard. Um, so again, getting your questions here. On, on this particular bit of news, but it was a really nice surprise. <laughs> it makes a ton of sense. I mean, I've talked about rebooting the Ultimate Universe countless times. Um, Hickman is obviously, like, for me as a fan, like, my preferred choice. I mean, I think the other names that were bandied about, Donny Cates was a favorite for a while. That seems to have gone to the wayside. Uh, Tom Taylor, I think, is, <coughs> excuse me, is a popular pick. Um, but, I mean, Hickman writing the framework for relaunching your Ultimate Universe. My expectation here is going to be, this is a four-issue event series. It's going to be about the maker trying to make his perfect world, restore the Ultimate Universe, but in his image. The Illuminati are going to have to come together and try to stop him. And what I anticipate will happen by the end of this is it will probably result then in an actual rebooted Ultimate Universe framework and template where Marvel can fully create now a modernized version of Marvel Comics. Something like that. But when you look at the quote, you know, Hickman here is talking about the need to invert what the original universe was. And if that means thematically and stylistically, then my theory works. If that means as a jumping on point and a fresh entry for readers, then my theory doesn't work. Because one the other the next thing he says is some we want it to be something that could only exist in the comic space. And when you think about that, I mean, stuff that can only exist in the comic space is, like, continuity-heavy <laughs> and is is playing off of the decades of history that this stuff has. Um, but he does say a new way of thinking about and enjoying a new version of the Marvel Universe. So if we're going to create a new version of the Marvel Universe by the end of this, I fully anticipate the Maker Schemes and the Illuminati, and however that resolves, is going to create a new ultimate Marvel Universe. Maybe you call it something else. I don't know. Um, but, you know, it's going to set the stage for something that can be modernized. Because the Ultimate Universe, for all of its early successes and its massive influence, I mean, has, has not only like Miller and, and Hitch in particular, Hitch's art on Ultimates shapes, and the authority, right, right before that, shapes a ton of what the superhero comics landscape looks like throughout the 2000s and can be. Stylistically, thematically, those attitudes are picked up in the MCU in many, many ways, right, that are hugely influential. But one thing, kind of the dirty secret of the Ultimate Universe, is since it's been done, folks have, have kind of held it up on this hallowed ground of it was you could read all of it and there weren't too many comics and it was this incredible entry point. And that's true to a point. I mean, 
most commonly 2007's Ultimatum, but even before then. Like, there are more years of really messy Ultimate Universe than there are tight-knit, accessible Ultimate Universe. Probably two times as many, okay? Because the thing goes for 15 years, and you're not, an, you're not a fresh start for 15 years. You're just not. Um, but the Ultimate Universe in particular, like, it gets messy, and it's a bit of a slog, and, and finding the good stuff from 2007 to 2015, good luck. It's few and far between. There's stuff in there. There's stuff in there. Um, but it's a, it's a bit of nostalgia and rose-colored glasses, I think, when folks are talking about that. So, the coming back, the reboot in the Ultimate Universe, it's definitely time. It's a great idea. I saw some folks who were like, why? Like, why do this? You know, why bother? Um, which, first off, like, like, just, like, be prepared to try some joy in your life. <laughs> like, like, just be open to the possibility that something could be good and fun, and why not? It's like, do you have so many great things going on in Marvel Comics right now that that you're like, we have too many good things. Please, no Ultimate Universe. Please, no relaunch. <laughs> By, you know, one of the biggest names in comics and the, the iconic artist who basically kickstarted the movement. Like, my hands are full. My plate is full. I cannot bear to have more good comics. <laughs> like, when, when has that ever been a problem? So I find that weird. Uh, but also, like, it's been seven, eight years since the Ultimate Universe ended, and some of these, right, Miles came through because he's too popular, and the Maker came through because he's interesting. Um, technically, Jimmy Hudson came through, but we haven't seen him <laughs> in the Kruko era. Handful of things, you know, but it's been dead. It's been dead in the water. And in some ways, that's good, honestly. Like, the Ultimate Universe should have had an ending. It should have had an ending sooner. Um, but bringing it back in some capacity has always made sense. I mean, my theory, my prevailing theory has always been, since it ended, they should do an Ultimate Universe every decade essentially. They should just reboot fresh. And the idea that I especially like is just you do it like Tom Taylor's Injustice, where it's basically give the keys to the kingdom, not for a decade, but for some period of time, to a specific creative team. And basically, you have the ultimate Marvel Universe. You don't just have Ultimate Spider-Man. You have the ultimate Marvel Universe. Do that book. Make it accessible. Make it an entry point. Help people fall in love with reading our comics. Marvel doesn't have that, okay? They don't have a singular entity. So will this spin into that? I mean, it could. I don't know. I Because Marvel is conservative and they tend to do the same things over and over, I would anticipate it just relaunches a series of new various ultimate titles that you can pick up. But I do think my idea is better. <laughs> I really do. I think that'd be way more accessible. It would also be so much more accessible to the MCU crowd, you know, where it's like, like if you're truly not a comics reader and you're new to the game, and you walk into a comic shop, of all things, which, like, like that's happening, but if you do that, what do you pick up? And what if you just have one book that it's like, oh, yeah, this is the whole universe, and it's a version of it, and it's fun, you can see all your characters. Why not? Why not? All right, we got a super chat question here from Vass. Asks, do you think they'll reboot the Ultimate X-Men? <sighs> so I, I expect... I mean, the question here is, does the maker, in trying to restore... The Ultimate Universe, which is where we see him at the end of the Kate Stegman Venom stuff, by the way, is like he is back in the Ultimate Universe. He's trying to bring it back, and he's doing it. He's more or less succeeding. Um, will we see those specific versions of characters? I, I'd be a little surprised by like we might see them in this event. I'd be a little surprised if they stayed. I don't. I think what you'd want to do is if you're gonna refresh this thing and set it up for future success. I think you want the, the template to be more open. 
right? And if you want to modernize for 2023 and beyond, the best way to do that is not to use characters that were created and stylized in 2000. You know what I mean? Um, I, frankly, I also don't think... Like, so Brian Hitch style established that 2000s tone of superhero comics. I also don't think you want him designing these characters for the 2020s as well. Because now you're just emulating and replicating the same style that, that launched. It was influential and modern in 2000. It can't be that again 23 years later, right? I think you want to leave that to someone else. Uh, so as far as rebooting the Ultimate X-Men, like, I don't think we'll see the Ultimate X-Men as we left them in the Ultimate Universe stay going forward. You know, um, now there are elements of that that could be pretty interesting, but like, I mean, I fell off Ultimate X-Men hard in the final years through Cataclysm and all that. Um, I mean, there's some interesting things happening with Kitty Pride, certainly as a character that I, that I wouldn't be, you know, against seeing continue, but, uh, I don't think they'll reboot them in the traditional sense. No, like, I don't think it'll be like, here's Ultimate Comics X-Men number one, continuing from where we left off. I'd be very surprised by that approach. I don't think it'll be that. Uh, let's see. <coughs> Excuse me. Stuart Stark asks, thank you for the super chat, Stuart. Wasn't there an ultimate version of Cap and Stark out roaming 616 in Ewing's Ultimates 2? So yes, Al Ewing's Ultimates 2 ends with the original Ultimates, Cap's, Tony Stark, and I think an Ant-Man, if not, maybe all of them, I don't know, um, but at least them are out, and I'm pretty sure they're like hunting makers, <laughs> like is their mission. Like they go out and they're like, we're going to hunt makers across the multiverse. It was a super cool setup for a thing that never happened. Every, every ball essentially got dropped. But that is the continuity I would most expect and hope that Hickman plays with, um, in part because it's the most exciting, in part because it really fits, I think, his interest in the maker as a character, and also, like, Hickman and Al Ewing are seem, seemingly close. Um, Al Ewing has done work and is currently doing work for Three Moons, Three Worlds, Hickman's Substack, you know, publishing enterprise. Uh, obviously, <coughs> excuse me, obviously they work together on X-Men. And uh, uh, I guess what more do you need than that? Um, so that would be the continuity that I most expect to see happen. I saw someone mention on Twitter that probably the Kate Stegman stuff would be the easiest, you know, bits to reference. But I actually think that Ultimates 2 piece would be the most exciting. But it, it could also just be, like, Again, a sentence, a hand wave to stuff that happened before, and it's going to be a new idea uh, is, is the most likely scenario. Um, but your guess, like, again, like, Ultimates 2 is the most relevant maker stuff and Ultimate Universe stuff you'll find within the last six, seven years. Okay, quick sip of water. I'll answer any Ultimate questions you got, and then we'll move on to the X stuff. Uh, this is somewhat unrelated, but I'm seeing here in the comments... Uh, the movies bringing people to the comics is a myth. Uh, false. It is a myth that that's a myth. <laughs> uh, in, if you're just looking at comic sales numbers, which I don't know why people do that, um, that's probably true because that's a super weird behavior. <laughs> like every week I go to the comic shop and I buy print copies of comics. I'm the weirdo. <laughs> that's not normally how people consume things. Um, listen, as somebody who has run a comic book website for the past decade, uh, throughout basically the entirety of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I flipping guarantee you, and have data to prove, 
that the, the interest in reading comics and getting started with the Marvel Universe has exploded with the MCU. The movies have accelerated and, in many cases, hyper-exponentially grown interest in reading actual comics. Does that translate then to walking into a comic shop and buying comics? Not always. Maybe down the road. TBD. I don't know. But that's also the reality of, like, comics accessibility at this point. You don't have to go to a comic, <clears throat> a comic shop like, like a weirdo and get a subscription to Marvel Unlimited. You can pirate them incredibly easily. A lot of folks will start there, you know? Uh, so, anyway, I, I always, I see that a lot. People are like, oh, the movies don't sell comics. And it's like, they drive so much interest in comics. Just look at what happened when James Gunn announced inspiration for DC movies that probably will never get made <laughs> based on DC's track record, right? Supergirl Woman of Tomorrow was sold out on Amazon. So I I really disagree with the idea that that's a myth. Um, actually, it's not even an opinion, right? This is just my experience. My experience and my data, which, you know, if it's true for me, it must be universally true. <laughs> uh, okay, question here. Why did you stop doing the Ultimate Universe podcast? Asked Dante. Uh, this must be a reference to... Uh, the My Ultimate Year podcast, which, so we do My Marvel this year, which is we go through every year of Marvel history from its origins to today and do all the curated best comics. Highly recommend checking it out. We've covered from 1961 to 2002, we just started. Super fun, best comics podcast, obviously, that you could possibly find. My Ultimate Year is where we read through the entire Ultimate Universe. Uh, the Ultimate Universe podcast never stopped. My Ultimate Year, it is basically almost done. We covered from the beginning all the way to the end. I personally stopped doing the Ultimate Universe podcast right around the time of Ultimatum, which sounds related, <laughs> and it kind of is, uh, but honestly, it was just, like for me, it was just a time commitment interest thing is all, is all there is to it, right? Just the amount of time I had available and the amount of time I wanted to be spending binging Ultimate Comics, uh, and that's what I'm talking about in terms of, you know, this, this rose-colored idea of the Ultimate Universe is this accessible, fun thing that was great forever, it really dies out when you do that binge read uh, a second time. I'll tell you that. I will tell you that. I see a lot of comments here from, I'm into the comics because of the movies. I got into the comics because of Raimi Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I know, I know. Like, it totally makes sense. I was into Raimi Spider-Man and, and the 2000s X-Men well before I ever picked up a comic. You know? I think these things come in waves, but they, it inspires interest in these characters and I think that inspires long-term fandom, which may ultimately lead to obsessive comics readers. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's such a it's such a consistent and consistently weird argument to me that I think what happens is people get too short-term in their thinking, um, or they're looking to drive some agenda, right? Which is besides the point. Uh, but like they get too short-term in the thinking, where it's like, oh, Black Panther series. You know, the Black Panther ongoing didn't increase sales during a Black Panther movie. It's like, yeah, because those two things are, like, actually unrelated. They're actually unrelated, you know? That is not a natural behavior. That is not a natural consumer path. And those stories are completely different. T'Challa is alive, for one thing, right? So it's just like, yeah, we don't need to focus our time there. Okay, let's see. All right, I'm going to look at any final Ultimate Universe comic, uh, comments or questions here, and then and then we're just going to do X-Men comics. Ready? Okay. All righty. 
I'm seeing from Vass that the Ultimatum was the I'm gonna head out of here moment for Ultimate Comics. Like, yeah, it is. I mean, it's an ending. That's the thing, is like Ultimatum could have been and probably should have been just the end of the Ultimate Universe, and then they should have rebooted fresh around 2010. They chose not to, which actually is super fascinating to try to tell a story of a universe that has gone through something like that and that you can't walk back, a la 616, um, it just struggles to do so. And that, like, you know, it's funny, that really ties into the MCU. It ties into the MCU and it ties into the post-Hickman Secret Wars experience of Marvel. When you end your universe, which Avengers Endgame did, which Ultimatum did, which 2015 Secret Wars did, it's really flipping hard to come back. And people are always flabbergasted by this. Ultimate Comics struggled. The 616 Marvel Universe struggled until fresh start. The MCU struggling. I haven't seen Ant-Man yet. I'm going to see it tomorrow. Okay? But Rotten Tomato score tells me struggling. <laughs> it's hard to build these things back up when you have endings for things that are not allowed to end. You have successful endings in the case of Avengers Endgame. In 2015 Secret Wars, if those were the endings of those stories, I would say really good ending. Well done. Ultimatum, no. You'd say the opposite, right? But really good endings. It's so flipping hard to recover and build back up. And there are different reasons. There are different reasons that that happens. But like everyone acts, acts shocked. You know, oh, the MCU, they're dead now. They're dead in the water. They can't build back up. Yeah, because they ended. <laughs> they told one incredible, unprecedented, decade-plus movie-going experience, unlike anything the medium has ever seen done in that capacity, and then they ended on a perfect note. I'm going to give them a minute to catch their breath. I know it's been a few years now. I understand. Anyway, not the point. Not the point. Okay, let's talk about some comics. Today, we had Sabretooth and the Exiles, number four. Exiles, Sabretooth, this book rules. <laughs> I had like forgotten how good Victor Laval and, and Leonard Kirk are on this series. Um, so the Exiles, as we open here, they're now traveling on a Bling and Madison Jeffries designed ship with over a thousand mutants. I'd forgotten they had that many new friends. <laughs> These are uh, mutants who are recovered from Orcas facilities. And uh, the ship is called the Maroon after Nanny of the Maroons, who was the leader of the Resistance to free Jamaican slaves and build their own communities. Um, thank you, Victor Laval, for yet another piece of history that I am now aware of, which this book is just absolutely full of. Uh, really enjoying how Sabretooth and the Exiles is doing some world building for Orcus. You know, like I feel like Orcus, like Duggan has done a decent job throughout X-Men of building what is Orcus, who are the players, but kind of at a at a top level, you know, at more of a showy superhero comics level, you know? And I say that when, you know, when I'm saying that, but you know what I mean is like a Mr. Sinister tie-in, MODOK is a part of the team now, right? These sorts of showy comic book things. Um, what Laval is doing feels more like the actual nuts and bolts of how Orcus works, of their science departments, of their philosophies, of what they're actually doing to mutants out in the world. That's where I think Sabretooth as a book, can be and has been so effective where it's like, you know, it's just consistently looking at, okay, we're not one of the big flashy, shiny on the cover of 1975's all-new giant X-Men, mutants. We're the mutants who get ignored. 
right? We're the ones who get left behind. We're the exiles. And, and it's really interesting to read that story because there's a lot more you can do with that. And that Laval is doing and doing very, very well. Uh, Nanny and Orphan Maker continue to be just an absolute delight in this book. I mean, they're the funniest pair in comics, which pre-Zeb Wells Hellions, you, if you had said that, I'd have been like, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> like, please stand back. <laughs> that is an incredibly strange opinion to have. Uh, but they are now just absolutely delightful. This book is funny. And that's the thing about that I really enjoy about Saber the Exiles. This issue especially, like, it is laugh out loud funny in various moments, but then it is incredibly insightful and serious. And then on top of that, I, this is the best issue of the run for me so far, of, of the Exiles mini specifically, right? Because I think the first five issues of Sabretooth by Laval and Leonard Kirk, those were best of 2022 type comics. You know, not just best of Marvel, but like for me, those were on the list for the best comics of 2022. I love them. Uh, Sabretooth and the Exiles has not been at that level. I think issue four is back at that level, I think. And, and the part that it's built its way to is, okay, we knew the critical insight was there. We knew that as this has developed that, you know, the, some of the humor could be there. What has built over the course of Sabretooth and the Exiles is Laval's ability to go full comic book insanity, okay? And that's how this issue ends. And I, I didn't say it up front, but spoilers will follow for all the comics that we talk about today, okay? As they always do. Um, but if, you know, you don't usually join live streams, I'm, I'm going to talk about the endings of these books, okay? Ready? So in the last issue of Sabretooth and the Exiles, we saw it teased in Orcus Memo written by someone with the initials GC. Uh, we see the reveal here at the end of this issue that that's Grandin Creed, who, who is the son of Victor Creed, who has been hunting Sabretooths across the multiverse. That is so fun and so massively Marvel Universe, right? And just like, you know, it only happens in these types of comics. That is huge and wild and exciting and not the direction I saw this puppy going. And that's really, really fun. So I'm f like, I was never out on this series, but now I'm like fully back in where I'm like, oh, okay, this could be one of my favorite Marvel books of the year again. You know, um, this could definitely be one of my favorite Marvel books. It's just, I, I love this book. So good. Such a good issue, especially. Today, every issue is really good. Like, I, I don't have a single really negative thing to say about today's issues. Um, not that I ever do, obviously, right? I never say anything negative. I just say critical insights. Okay, stop laughing. Uh, okay. The next book that came out, Captain Britain number one. Okay. I, I think if you followed me for a while, you know that I have not been a huge fan of the Teeny Howard verse. Um, Excalibur had moments, but ultimately let me down. Knights of X I checked out on. Captain Britain is off to a really good start. This first issue is solid. We got Teeny Howard, Vasco Georgiev, Eric Arseniga, and Ariana Maher on letters. Um, I mean, you got a T-Rex Captain Britain. You got Furies across the multiverse. You have a book that is like deeply indebted to the Alan Moore, Alan Davis, Captain Britain run, which has finally been recollected in a Captain Britain omnibus. And you have the Betsy and Rachel Summers romance and, and they're together and, and just owning it and living in it. And it's really nice to see, you know, it's not just teasing it. It's not just, you know, waving a hand at it. It's, it's really there and it's happening and it's good, right? It's something positive coming out of all this. I mean, Captain Britain number one for me is definitely up there with the best of Howard's Excalibur and Ten of Swords work. I, I think it was that good. It's a really strong start. It feels like the version of Betsy's story that I've been hoping for, frankly. Like, I think throughout a lot of 
my criticism of Excalibur and Knights of X, it just, it was like, okay, it feels like Howard really wants to be writing the Betsy Braddock Captain Britain book throughout those runs, you know, to the point where it was like, why is Jubilee here? Why is Gambit here? Why is Rogue here? <laughs> you know? And now that we're here and we can just do a Captain Britain book, it's like, yeah, this is the book. This is the book you wanted to have. Um, it's good. It's solid. I, I like the concept, right? Just of the multiversal Captain Britons. Come on, we get a T-Rex Captain Britain in this. You get to go wild with the art and the stylings, all the different versions of Captain Britain. Like, this is a concept with legs. And it's a concept that can be very fun. Then you take everything that's been developed in Otherworld. You take the mutant dumb of it all. You take Betsy Braddock taking over as Captain Britain and the sort of political and societal implications that that had. You know, a nation that is telling her you know, because she's a woman, because she's new, because she's a mutant, that she's not the real Captain Britain. All of these things resonate. All of these things resonate, right? This feels like the book that we were building to. Listen, did it take too long to get there? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think this should have hit sooner. Um, but now that it's here, I'm like, okay, yes, this fits. This works. I like this first issue. Now, I hope we can maintain that. You know, we got Morgan Le Fay coming back and these ties to Britain from a non-British writer, <laughs> I do want a caveat, you know, so it's one of those things where it's like, okay, does that have legs? You know, like, like how interested are we in a Captain Britain versus Morgan Le Fay story? Doesn't it feel like we kind of did that in Excalibur? You know, is that the best choice? We'll see. We'll see. I, I want to see it. I want to see it flex some muscles and some new ideas, you know, in a twist, in a surprising way next issue. Um, but we'll see what it can do. It was, I mean, listen, is this like, you know, am I going to sit here and be like, you have to pick this up. This is a must read. No, definitely not. I mean, it's really good, but if you read Excalibur and Knights of X and you're like, yeah, I know what I know. And I'm pretty checked out on all of this. Like this isn't going to like hard sell you over, but if you're kind of on the fence about them, you know, I think it's worth a shot. I do. I think it's worth a shot. Um, I'm seeing the question. If I didn't finish Knights of X, is that needed from Banksy here? Uh, it's referenced, but needed? Probably not really. I mean, probably not really. You know, there are some deets. Like, I, I mean, that's when Rachel and Betsy get together and kiss for the first time, right? So just little stuff like that, but you'll just pick it up in context of the story. Okay, they're in a relationship. Got it. Let's go. You know, so anyway. Uh, it was good. I was I was happy. I was glad to read it and like, have a positive uh, reading experience because I, I don't feel good <laughs> about being the Herald of Doom about, you know, one of the few books in the X line written by a woman, you know, just flat out say it. Don't love that look for, for me. <laughs> don't enjoy that. Uh, which, you know, part of the onus there is like too, like more women writing X-Men books, please. And we're going to get some of that. We're going to get Stephanie Phillips doing Rogan Gambit series. Stephanie Phillips is great. Really like some of her work. Um, check out The Butcher of Paris, if you haven't read that before. It's a nice miniseries. Uh, Stephanie Williams, I think, is going to be... Oh, she's writing some, like, uh, Marvel Unlimited uh, Infinity stuff. She's really good. Enjoy her work. These are, of course, all guests of the CBH Interview Podcast as well. No surprise there. Tend to have on the best people. Anyway, that's on the X office to pick up the pace. Speaking of picking up the pace, we are still 10 years in the future on Immoral X-Men number one. Sinister has completely completely lost control. Uh, we've got an Emma Frost takeover, the the sinisterized Emma Frost takeover. Solid comedy amongst the Sinisters in this issue, right? It's good to see Sinister deeply out of his depth already. 
And then kind of the lingering sense of like, or is he? Is he really? Does he have a secret backup plan? Or is he as, you know, cornered here as he seems to be? You always got to wonder with Sinister. The fun thing I think that we're seeing in this issue, which is, you know, really solid. Um, it's a speed run through this years in the making possibilities for Krakoa, right? We get Orcus already defeated, so we don't get that storyline. But instead, we, you know, we speed up the cosmic arms race and Sinister's five gene chimeras as the weapon for mutant dominance. Like, we're already there. It's happening. You know, these things we've been like, oh, when's that going to get developed and how's that going to play out? The cool thing about Sins of Sinister and the way it's speeding up is it's just like, yeah, we can just do that now. We can just jump straight to that. Um, and it's a good time. It's a good time. So I, I have some of the last week's comics rolling on the images too. And, you know, we uh, the, um, not Legion of X, Nightcrawlers, written by Cy Spurrier, who, you know, goes from Legion of X to Nightcrawlers. That also revealed... The, the plans of Mother Righteous and her connection with Orbis Stellaris. So it's basically the games the other Sinisters are playing and what role they're going to play. Turns out um, the Doctor Stasis Sinister will have no role, which I guess that's why Duggan didn't get a book, because they're killing off his Sinister. <laughs> but the other three are in play here. Uh, it's a nice little event. Again, I think it's going to read much better, <coughs> excuse me, altogether. I think, you know, the 100 years in the future is definitely going to be the biggest test and the biggest challenge because everything right now is familiar enough. You know, in Immortal X-Men, like they're just ending a rebellion from Nick Fury. This is grounded, familiar Marvel Universe stuff. When we jump to the 100-year timeline, we're going to get out of basically any familiarity. And that's when these creators are going to have to go the wildest right, with their imaginations and, and this build to Dominion. I'm very excited for that. It's going to have to get very sci-fi and fantastic, and the scheming of the Sinisters is going to have to really accelerate. But I'm tremendously looking forward to it. So I feel like we actually, this first wave, which is solid, is probably the most basic of the waves, right? The next two are going to have to get wild, and I can't wait for that. That's going to be cool. All right, this is today's comics. Big day. Exciting day, great comics to read, big news. Let's get in some questions, get in some thoughts. I'm going to peruse the chat here as I get a sip of water. I'm seeing here I've been a bit underwhelmed by year 10 from Banksy on the Sins of Sinister. I wouldn't say I've been badly underwhelmed, but I have not been blown away by it, definitely, which I think is safe to say. I, I do think, though, that like the next three issues set in year 100 will tell us, is this event going to be amazing? Or is this event, you know, just going to kind of flit about <laughs> and get to a very important result for the future of Sinister and Krakoa? I have high hopes and high expectations, again, because I think all these creators are really great. Um, but I, I don't think it's unfair to say, like, if you've just read the opening and this year 10 stuff, that it's, like, not shocking and it's not doing anything massively unexpected at this point, you know? Uh, but I, I suspect that that is to come because just by the nature of the time jumps, I think they're going to have to, and I think it's going to be good. Uh, let's see. So last week we also had the, the um, so we had Nightcrawlers we talked about a little bit, um, which was, again, like it was solid. It fits with Sins of Sinister. I like Cy Spurrier and I like a lot of his comics, but like, I, I still think the writing in this X-Verse is, I, there's just something about it that feels too 
I don't know, like untethered. Like it's just kind of all over the flipping place all the time. Maybe it's just like the accent work, <laughs> which is, it's like every character has a, has a hard British or Scottish accent or something. Um, no, that's not the problem. I, I don't know. There's something about it that it's just, all of it feels like it's just not as tight as the Gillen and Ewing stuff. And it's just very noticeable. I think, I don't know. It's just like always an obvious third wheel compared to the other two that seem to really know where they're going and what they're doing and like how to use their pages, which that's more insulting than I mean it to be. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I wasn't like, like I enjoyed Nightcrawlers well enough. I think it's going to fit in this universe, but I, there's, it didn't surprise me in a way where I could be like, oh, this is, you know, number one or number two of the three. Like it's an, it's a discernible number three, I think. Uh, and that's like, I, this would have been a nice to bounce from Legion of X to this and have Spurrier just hit it out of the park would have been a nice, I think, opportunity to be like, oh yeah, like this career can flip and kill on stuff. You know, I just, I don't feel like it got back to that. Um, let's see, what was the other, oh, Wolverine came out last week. Uh, that one is finally moving along some interesting beast developments where we get Wolverine, uh, you know, finds out what Beast did and all that. He kills him or tries to. And then we learn that Beast has backup resurrection protocols that activate automatically if he dies, which was a cool Beast twist. Definitely a smart Beast twist. I like that. I think the one of the interesting questions will be in the vein of Sins of Sinister. Like, this isn't a part of that event. So is this Beast going to be sinisterized in any way? Um not that he isn't already acting sinister, but I mean cloned and taken over. It feels like that's probably not going to be a part of the story, you know, because it's just disconnected. Uh, but, I mean, it was cool. <laughs> it was a cool ending. This Like, the Beast thing's been playing out so slowly and for so long that, you know, it's it's hard to... It's hard to invest at really any excitement in, like, oh, now we're doing it, because until it actually happens, it's just a constant you know, teasing us with, with the carrot and the stick. Uh, but it was a solid Wolverine issue. Yeah. No questions there for sure. Um, I mean, I think the beast situation, like, like how long can it go without resolving before you lose your mind? <laughs> That's the question. You know, can we get to fall of X with, without the beast situation resolved? You know, I mean, you could do it as part of Fall of X, but then it just feels like, really, we're going to spin our wheels for that much longer? You know, which maybe is the answer. I mean, it, it, honestly, if Beasts Fall occurring during a Fall of X when Orcus is, like, at their worst would kind of make sense. That could be a pretty natural fit. Uh, by the way, the, the Dark Beast theories increasingly unlikely. Mr. Sinister yet again makes reference to the head of Dark Beast that he keeps in his secret lab number one, which of course has been stolen. Um, so this beast is not it's seemingly the quote-unquote Dark Beast. This is just Beast <laughs> being the worst. I mean, that piece of it, I think the fact that there are readers who still are like surprised by that <laughs> or take issue with that, I mean, you could not like it. That's fine, right? Um, but the readers were like, oh, it just doesn't make sense. It's like, it makes a ton of sense. Like, <laughs> this thing could not have been building any more slowly. You know what I mean? Like, like the one argument you can't make against it is that it has been too rushed. <laughs> or it hasn't laid the groundwork. It is the complete opposite. It is way too slow. 
it has set the stage for beast descent in 74,000 different ways, you know? Um, so it, that, that reaction tends to feel like it's from people who are not, you know, keeping up with these comics, which, you know, is, is fine. I don't necessarily recommend that you do. <laughs> um, and again, they'll walk it back at some point. They'll walk it back at some point, you know, maybe not soon, but there'll be a, there'll be a moment. Maybe it's more of his life 11, right? Still clinging to that hope, but beast will come back. We'll be fine. We'll hang. He's coming back one day. Okay. Final questions, final thoughts. Let's do it. What do you got? Uh, let's see. Kenji asks, have you caught up on North Fantastic Four? I have not. I have not. Uh, I would like to, and it is in my plans to, but I just have not. I did see a panel today of Spider-Man suggesting that Mary Jane was like a sister to him. <laughs> <laughs> to Black Cat. Uh, assuming this is a comic that came out today, because there's the Joe Kelly fill-in on Amazing Spider-Man, which I have not read yet. Um, that's a bad line. <laughs> that is some bad dialogue and a real poor choice. Believable, I suppose, in the sense that Peter Parker would say something that dumb, uh, but not a good look. <laughs> not a good look. Listen, I get it. In the post-Game of Thrones world, in the post-Flash, Barry and Iris world, CW style. Like, listen, incest is so hot right now. Obviously. <laughs> That's what media is telling us. Nonetheless, I don't need Pete comparing MJ to his sister. Not for me. Not my thing. Okay. Uh, I'm seeing a question from Seattle. Thoughts on the ultimate invasion announcement? That tells me <laughs> that you've joined recently. <laughs> yes, I have many thoughts. Uh, they were all shared in the first 45 minutes. Of this live stream, uh, I will also be doing, you know, some CBH video on that going forward. But I mean, the short version of it, for those of you who join late, is I'm incredibly excited. It's going to be awesome. <coughs> At worst, it'll be the most interesting comic released in June. That's worst case. What else do we got? Truth Teller Forian says, absolutely count on X-Force to put a hat on a hat and make this keep going until fall of X. Yeah, I mean... That would, that, that would be the most likely outcome. Sadly. Sadly. Let's see. I'm seeing this Charlie ain't moral from King Kia. I don't know. Did you see him shedding tears and wishing he didn't have to drive Nick Fury and crew to suicide today in Immortal X-Men? Poor Charlie. That was really well written. <laughs> that was really good stuff. Like, you still have... Like, it's still the sinister Charles. He's a literal... Sinister clone influence version of himself. And he's still doing the bogus, I wish I didn't have to do these evil things, but they're necessary stuff. Perfect. Pitch perfect. Uh, says, what do, you, what do you think of X-23's new codename Talon? Uh, I mean, the honest answer is I don't. <laughs> I don't think of that. I know I'll not be acknowledging that. Let's see. What else do we got? Any predictions on the year 100 of Sinister Victory. So if we're going to get to year 100, and Sinister is still going to be a relevant player going for Dominion status, they must win their Cosmic War. You know, with hope, hope posits here that they're going to have to go to war essentially, eventually with the Kree Skrull Empire or the Shi'ar. Maybe the Regalians, right? Probably this means they're going to win. If they win, that probably means they're going to use the 5th Gen 
or, or the five gene chimeras. Now, what we saw in Life 9 was that these chimeras are great, then Sinister tries to get in Omegas, and basically, eventually, he sabotages the batch. So will we get a similar Sinister line? Is this his ruse against the hell of his own making, as it's been described, to create now an Omega batch of chimeras that he can use for his own purposes to try to escape the trap that he set for himself? I think that's probably the most likely thing that we could see coming in year 100. Um, we're definitely going to see Mystique and Destiny still plotting. We're going to see Orbis Stellaris seems like has the best plan going forward. You know, Mother Righteous is doing whatever she's doing in, in Nightcrawlers, and that'll still be out there. But it seems like Orbis Stellaris has the clearest plans for Dominion. Um, stuff I hope to see that we haven't seen yet. I do hope to see... So, like, Sinister stamps out Orcus, but AI is still out there, right? Are we, are we really to believe Nimrod is off the table? What about Omega Sentinel? Right? So we've got all these artificial intelligence options. Um, it seems likely that instead of Rasputin traveling through the black hole from lifeline to lifeline, that instead in year 100, we'll just see Sinister having created the Chimera version of her. So I think we'll see those powers of 10 Chimeras, but they will be like the new, newly made Sinister versions of themselves. Um, what else would I want to see? Oh, and well... I don't know. The Apocalypse War was referenced. I guess the question is, in year 100, will we see any of the Apocalypse family as well? That could be nice. See that in Storm of the Brotherhood. I don't know. What do, you, what do you all think? Anything else I missed that could be coming? Let's see. Yeah, I'm seeing we got we got Talon and Scout and Fang. Why, why, is, why is Marvel so intent on renaming the Wolverine family? They all have perfectly usable names. <laughs> <laughs> why, are, why are we intent on th this feels to me like when Paul George gave himself a nickname and he was like oh what was it <laughs> dang it all I can think of him as now is PG-13 gave himself a nickname like Mr. Clutch or something but it wasn't that and it was like you can't give yourself a nickname that's super lame nobody's calling you that that's how I feel about the Wolverine family like like they're all giving themselves these weird nicknames and it's like no I'm not calling you that to Ken I'm gonna call you to Ken. It's your name. What are you doing? Big weirdo? Scout? Honey Badger was perfect. Why are we renaming everybody? I don't get it. I don't get it. All right. Final thoughts. Playoff P. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> playoff P. Thank you. Talon, Scout, and Fang are the playoff P of Marvel Comics. That's perfect. All right. I think we can end it there. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Much appreciated. I'm Dave. You can find all my stuff at comicbookherald.com. I'm excited for Ultimate Invasion. Look for more from the channel here. And, of course, I'll be back every week that the comics are interesting and good. You know what? Let's, let's check it. Let's check it here live on the mic. What's coming out next week? New comics over on leagueofcomicgeeks.com. On March 1st, we are going to have X-Force number 38. Look forward to very little happening there. Um, what else? Rogan Gambit, number one. I'm curious. Curious. Again, I like Stephanie Phillips. Good writer. That's it? That's all the X stuff? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. All right. I'm going to rest my voice next week. For sure. 
Let's see, the week after, X-Men number 20, Scarlet Witch number 3, Nightcrawlers number 2. All right, we're, we're looking at a, at a two-week time frame. What is this New Mutants book? New Mutants Lethal Legion. Oh, the kids thing? Okay, I'll give that a look. All right. All right, thinking aloud. <laughs> Thanks everyone for listening. Enjoy the comics.